Harvin was best. Miss Harvin, how are you today? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm doing great. Hey, I want to take time to welcome you to the show. Um, and I want to introduce you to everyone. Everyone on the other end of this line, what you're hearing right now is a really good friend of mine from way back in the day, the wonderful, beautiful Miss Nicole Harvin. How are you today, ma'am? Thank you. Thank you for having me on. I'm good. It's Friday. Can't complain. Right, right. Even if we could, what could change, right? I mean, with all that's going on in the world. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You know what? And since we're talking about, if you want to go ahead and dive into that, we can. So just to let you guys know a little bit, a little bit of uh, of me and Nicole's background. We went to high school together um, back in back in Heidelberg, Germany, uh, and legit caught up with each other a couple years ago via uh, social media, whatnot. She owns her own company. And, you know, speaking of your company and all those type of things, explain to us exactly what it is, because obviously you're a wonderful entrepreneur uh, and you are an African-American woman. And I would like to go ahead and dive into that as well. Uh, what is what is it like being an entrepreneur in this climate for, you know, an African-American woman? Well, before this whole civil war started, mm -hmm. um, nobody really paid attention to what I was doing. Nobody really cared. Um, friends, family, and nobody. Um, there was a few who like, you know, they gave me encouragement, shouted me out, supported. But for the most part, um, no, I wasn't really getting any attention. And so I thought it was just me. Like, oh, I wasn't marketing. I wasn't networking. I wasn't doing enough. And I had read a post where it was saying that every Black female entrepreneur that makes $1, mm -hmm. um, Latinos make two, uh, Native women make three, uh, what is it, Asian women make eight, and white women make $9. And wow. so I was like, okay, that makes sense. That makes complete sense as to like why I'm not really getting any traffic like that. So that just encouraged me to work a little bit harder. Mm -hmm. Um, it is unsettling and it is discouraging to see those statistics, but at the same time, it's, that's the way of the world. Like there's, that's just how it is. Um, but after this whole civil war thing started, uh, I've definitely got an influx in customers. Mm -hmm. I've been trying to reach out to more and more people and what I've done for my company, um, I've, well, let me back up. I own a creative design agency, so we yeah. do everything digital. Websites, logos, flyers, stickers, whatever you name it. Um, we rebrand companies, we do digital marketing, we do um, customized content, just along those lines. So once this started, I wanted to give back to other black entrepreneurs. And so what I started doing is I took the full price of my website mm -hmm. design and business emails off the board. It usually runs between four and $700. And so I've just been asking people, Hey, you need a website. What's your budget? And I'll work with you. Right. right. Um, I've done two so far. So that's really exciting, but I just wanted to give back in a way that I can help others succeed. Right. Right. And you know what? And, and that, that is amazing in, in itself. Um, 
just with the infographics and the stats that you just, you know, let us know, there's a lot of people who aren't aware of those stats, you know. And, oh, yeah. And we have that conversation and, and it's always, oh, well, everyone gets an equal start. Well, well not necessarily. You know, it's 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 no. hard. It's hard being a part of a minority group, and it's even harder being um, a female inside that minority group because a lot of what laws are set up, you know, to be for, are set up in the direction of men. You know, and 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 whenever we started having uh, the woman suffrage movement, obviously women being able to vote, et cetera, et cetera, um, you had you know white women who didn't want black women to have that same right even oh of though, course you know even though those laws protected uh their their civil or their civil rights or their rights as women they didn't want that for all women and i think that that kind of has over the years traveled over because when we look at billionaires let's use billionaires as the as the you know as the uh, the the utmost and, and the highest level of things uh we look at oprah winfrey as the status of African-American excellence when it comes down to, you know, monetary value and things of the sort. But yep. we forget that we have the Nicole Harvins of the world. We have, you know, these other individuals who have started their own business from the ground up, right? And they still have to suffer through, you know, not only the ceiling that, that is put on them from competing with men, but also the ceiling that's put on them competing with women of other races and how we're viewed as a race, right? Yep. And, and it's crazy. It's so crazy because I was thinking, I was like, man, hold on. Now, if you're not, and, and I have plenty of ladies out there uh, that I know uh, that, are, that are business owners and they're uh, forward-thinking individuals and they're also, you know, computer technologists, all these different jobs, right, that they that they're like out there doing and the the market is set to where they don't make as much money as their male counterparts and no. you know how do how do y'all how do you deal with that you know that alone you know how do you deal with that part of it um of course anytime a black woman speaks up on something that they passionately are dedicated to you get put in this category of the angry black woman. Mm -hmm. And I understand the category because I've been there plenty of times. I am not one to let people walk over me. I'm all for standing up for rights and your beliefs. Um, but at the end of the day, this is like a system set up to where we won't win. Right. Um, so we just have to go around the system and find ways to win. So in my case, just owning a business, it's not paying all my bills because mm -hmm. again, I'm not in the Oprah Winfrey league. Um, so I just found other revenues to bring in money. Mm -hmm. um, it's stressful because sometimes I'm like doing a million things at once and sometimes I'll forget to do something or I'll forget about a call or whatever it may be. And I feel bad about it. But at the end of the day, I kind of like take a deep breath and I'm like, okay, I'm doing a lot. I'm running different categories in my life that I have to not be the angry black woman and just stay in my lane and make my money. I kind of wanted, wanted to touch on that right quick because I do feel like 
being told to stay in your lane just as an adult has a tone to it, you know? Like, and, and I, I really wish we could wash that away. Like, or we could just eradicate the idea of staying in your lane, especially when it comes down to business, you know? Because business isn't about, uh, nor, nor just to my understanding, it's never been about staying in your lane if you're progressing. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And, and telling somebody, um, a young entrepreneur, a young person who, who's, who's seeking to, to own their own platform and their own company, that this is your lane because you're not that person. I think we need to stop being so dismissive of, of people who are creating these brand new ideas and these fresh ideas. We have to stop pigeonholing them and telling them that their ideas aren't enough. That's one. And two, stop telling them that what their lane is. Because nobody can tell you. Totally what, agree. No one can tell you what your lane is, Nicole. Honestly, and this 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 is outside of friendship. Just just being honest with you, one business person, one businessman to a, to a, to a businesswoman. What you're doing is amazing. And and if thank you, and if you guys have an opportunity to check her out at the end of this convo, we'll definitely loop in everything that um, that comes with what me and Nicole are talking about as far as her website, where to find her at, and things like that for business purposes. Um, but also another, another question I had for you, because uh, you because you were saying, you know, you, you're being told, you know, you're just going to stay in your lane and things like that. Um, what leads you or how do you keep pushing when you know that that mind frame does exist, not only from the opposition, but from other people, you know, people like, like us, like our people? Um, the main thing, two things. I have bills to pay. Right. And if I don't pay them, I'm going under. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not about to happen. So I hustle. Mm-hmm. Second thing, I've had a lot of people in my life tell me not to quit my nine to five, tell me not to open my company, tell me to keep doing what I was doing before, which was leading nowhere. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wanted to prove to everybody else that I could do this. But as I progressed and I started moving forward in actually getting bigger customers and clients, um, it's more of a, I don't want to prove people wrong. I want to show the younger generation under me, you can do what you want to do. You don't have to get a nine to five and slave to these corporations. Um, I want to be an inspiration to people. I don't want people to look at me and say, oh, well, she just doesn't like working a nine to five. That is very true. I can't work a nine to five. I don't operate like that. Mm-hmm. I operate on entrepreneur times. Sometimes I work two, three, four o'clock in the morning. Sometimes I work eight, nine o'clock in the morning. It's just how you operate. And I want people to understand you don't have to stick to this book of life that whoever the hell created mm-hmm. it's not for everybody right it, and, and it and it you know what i'm glad you said this because i was having this conversation the other day and and i said i said there has to be some kind of fear that exists inside people to make them believe that i as a business can purchase your time for a certain amount of money right mm-hmm. the one thing i can't replace is time right so if I walk up Agreed. to you and I'm like, hey, Nicole, I want to hire you on to work for 
um, Ivy Incorporated, and um, and um, I want you to do some job. Can't really think of one off the top of my head. Let's let's go website design, right? We want you to design a website, and we want you to design 150 of those for this much money an hour. How do I tell you what your worth is to my company based off an hourly chart or platform that's been out there and is possibly outdated? Because we all say time is money, right? But we also say like timeless, things like timeless. Like it's crazy that we've gotten to the point where as people, we've adopted the idea that my hour is worth $20. My one yeah. hour of time is worth $40. Like, it's crazy. It's crazy. You can do a lot of work in one hour. And if you think that your work is worth $20, like you just said, that's beyond me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. And, you know, and, and, and podcasting has taught me this, right? Because um, I used to work for the you know, United States government. You know, was doing that for a long period of time, having a good time, making a ton of money, what I thought to be a ton of money until I had a conversation with one of my friends who's a uh, who's an entrepreneur and also one of my uh, sponsors. And he was telling me, man, look, I really haven't made money off my business yet, but I'm happy. I'm happy to know yeah. that, I, that I could leave my daughter something. And I thought about it, man, well, what, what am I going to leave? I have four kids, right? So like, what am I going to leave my four kids? What, well, like my, my daughter's 13. What am I going to leave her? You know what I mean? What am I leaving her in life other than pot, what, like my, you know, my 401k? Or, or or TSP if you're a government employee, you know, am I leaving yeah. like am I leaving her, you know, uh, you know, life insurance, which by the way, I say this all the time. If you want to really start up a business, take a life insurance policy off one on out on one of your loved ones, your elderly loved ones, and you can set yourself up for life. Yeah. That's another story. That's another story for another time. Okay. <laughs> you know, I don't want nobody coming out here thinking like, hey, go out, get out here, get this life insurance policy and whack your mom. No, we're not doing that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, love mom, love dad, love them as long as you can get them, and and when it's time for them to go, let them go. But I think that it took for me to hear that, and then for me, kind of just to step out on my own and go, you know what? I like to talk. I love running my mouth. Like, I, <laughs> like I love it. Like it's my thing. So you know, I was like, why not just start a podcast and let's start talking about it? But I miss me doing it. I learned that support is so fickle. You know, it's so fickle. Yeah. it's hard to get people to to support what you do, you know, and and I know for a fact you have to have it a lot harder because you're actually selling a product. I'm slinging these conversations for free, <laughs> you know, you know, and I have to send direct messages to people to get people to listen sometimes. So, you know, how do you deal with the whole support thing, whether people are supporting you or not? Um, This is probably one of the hardest things I had to understand when I first started out. Um, I've had my company about two and a half years. And the first year, I had maybe three people supporting me. Mm -hmm. My parents and maybe one, two friends. That's it. It was very discouraging because it was like, Hey, you guys, I'm trying to do something new. Look what I'm doing. All I'm asking is for a simple repost or shout me out or literally just pass my information along. And no one wanted to do that. I understand a lot of people don't want to vouch for other people, but at the same time, 
it kind of looks as like, oh, we don't trust you as a person. We don't trust you as a business. So we're not going to help you get to where you need to go. But I will say this. There have been random people in my life. Some people I've never even met, people who've reached out to me over the internet, um, who mm. have given me more support than my friends and family. And so for that, I'm grateful. Um, mm -hmm. I think getting the support from the people I did not know was the biggest blessing because it took my mind off of the mm. why nots and whatever else was running through my mind about my unsupported friends and family. Right. Um since this whole civil war started again, I've had more friends start to support me. So I can say thank you to them. Um, I just kind of wonder like why it took all of that to get to this place. Um, but it's all life. Everything happens for a reason. So I try not to worry about it. But yeah, support and, not, and the lack of support was definitely a big thing for me. Um, but kind of like your friend said, you weren't making, or he wasn't making that much money, but he was happy. That's exactly how I felt. Like I wasn't making that much money, but I'm happy. Like right. I can't say that every job I've worked, I loved and it was all rainbows and whatever. So just having my freedom and knowing that I can stay here, it's, it trumps all of the lack of support I've been getting. Right, right. And, you know, and I'm, I, I won't lie to you. I will not lie to you. Um, you're handling it a lot, more, a lot with a lot more grace than I than I do. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I, told, I told one of my, I told, I, I was having this conversation with one of my cousins, man, and uh, I asked him, "Hey, man, you guys, you guys listen to my podcast shit? Oh man, I, have, I, I had that opportunity. I hung up the phone. I did. I hung up." <laughs> and, I, and, and I think and I think it comes from a spot like you know it's free it's free like yeah. I'm, I'm slanging I'm slanging conversations for free and now that I now that I have and by the way anybody who's wondering why I mean by slanging I'm giving out yeah. you know, <laughs> free conversations like, <laughs> this is free like this cost me absolutely nothing to, to start it's going to cost me absolutely nothing to give out so I don't expect you to pay for it you know, um, but I understand, you know, in, in, in this, well, from the stance of a person who has to buy materials, who has to print out materials, who has to do all these different things and it costs money to buy those materials. I understand why they need the support they need. Right. Yes. Because it's financial support. It's not like, you know, for me, all you got to do is repost it one time. That's all it takes is one, one repost one time. And guess what happened? I'll be the happiest man in America because you repost my stuff. I had a friend once tell me, hey, man, I've never listened to your show ever. I said, but I'd be fooled if I thought you did, if I thought you did. You know what I'm saying? Because you repost everything every time I post it. So in my mind, I thought you did. that that type of support kept me going. Yeah. Without me even knowing that he really, you know, wasn't um, an avid listener. But I appreciated it. And I think that people forget that that support goes a long way but i do i do want to say one thing because you said this and I, and I think that it's becoming very apparent and it's apparent in a beautiful way i think that as african americans and as minorities we're starting to support each other a lot more because we're starting to see the true colors of a lot of these different organizations 
And when they come forth with the idea that they love black culture and they love black people, but as you stated, when the Civil War kicks off or, or, or things start popping off, they're the last people to support us. They're the first ones to call us thugs. They're the first one to call, you know, yep. to misunderstand the rioting and the looting for actual protesting. And uh, and some of that is our own people. That's, that's the crazy yeah. part. It's some of our own people who believe it. And I remember I said this about Candace Owens. I am the biggest Candace Owens distract, detractor. Like, I do not care for Candace Owens. No. Like, however, it has nothing to do with her political beliefs. It has everything to do with how she carries her political beliefs. And, you know, would you like to touch on some of that, you know, as far as, as far as you know, some of what you see? Because I know you're, you're in Atlanta. For anybody who doesn't know, she's in Atlanta, Georgia. And there's a lot going on in Atlanta. I know you see a lot. So would you like to, you know, touch on that some? Um, as far as Atlanta goes, it's been really good and really bad. Um, when the protests first started happening, it was peaceful and then the riots started and then the looting started. What a lot of media wasn't giving out was the fact that there are Trump supporters who go out into these protests and they're the ones who are rioting and looting. And so it mm-hmm. comes back and looks like the people who are actually protesting for the right reasons are doing this. Um, and then again, there are the younger generation. And let me speak on this Gen Z, whatever you guys want to call yourself. A lot of them don't know how to go about this. They see what's Mm -hmm. happening and they have lived through it already and they don't like it. Now that they have an opportunity to voice their opinion, some do get crazy. Some are burning down businesses. Some are burning down cop cars. I can't tell anybody how to feel and how tell anybody how to react to how they feel. But what Mm -hmm. I can say is there have been a lot of Gen Zers putting together peaceful protests and sending out the petitions and emails, whatever the case may be, I see that in Gen Z, there are going to be a lot of leaders. Um, I can't speak on it because, not speak on it, I can't really go in depth with it because I don't have that many Gen Zs around me. I have a few and I listen to them and I see where they're coming from, but I definitely see a big influx of leaders in that generation. Um, Going back to Atlanta, The past few weeks have been crazy, but now it's getting back to the peaceful protests and the let's voice our reasons, our passions in other ways. Um, The my favorite way that people are expressing themselves is the artwork. It's always Mm -hmm. been a a big thing in Atlanta for street artists. But now it's even bigger. There are so many artists going out and just doing Black Lives Matter. Um, what would you call those? Murals? Right, yeah. And, yeah, and instead of it being like, oh, funny characters, they're like murals with messages. There's people who have never seen these things. Like, when I say people, I mean white people who don't understand what we go through. And it's bringing it to their attention. It's something that you can't ignore. So I'm really commending Atlanta for giving these 
buildings and whatever corner that these artists are putting their murals on, I commend Atlanta for it. Right. And I, and I think I think that's a beautiful thing. By the way, white white people who are listening, any of my white listeners, no, we're we're not speaking when we say white people, we're not talking about the white people who understand. We're talking about the and but people. Right? Yes, the all lives matter white people. Right, right, exactly. So we're not we're not talking about those of you who understand why we do what we do, why we say what we say, and why the platforms that we have exist. Like I had I had someone ask me, you know, how how would you feel if there was a, a college that was you know historically white? I said, well, if you look at every nation around the world, right, or, or around this country, particularly not world around this country, and it has Ivy League attached to it. For you know, for a long period of time, yep. those were white exclusive schools. Yep. You know, and I was like, let's let's not let's not mistake in, you know, having a historically black college as it being racist because they only exist because racism kicked. Yeah. And because racism said you can't come to Princeton University, you can't come to Columbia, you can't go to Yale, and then even went into state universities, you can't go to University of Texas. You can't go to the University of Georgia and be black. I guarantee you every every single university, college or university had a time frame, right, where African-Americans and minorities were not welcome. And people forget that so quickly. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I said this, that's like a lot of the black plight didn't stop solely with uh, with slavery. It went on to Jim Crow Mm -hmm. and Jim Crow, in my opinion, was a little bit worse than slavery. And here's why I say a little bit worse, because imagine being told, hey, by law, you're a person. You're you're able to contribute now. You're not you're not a slave. You're a free man now. Right. You can provide for yourself. However, I'm not going to give you the tools to do it. I'm not going to give you I'm not going to give you the, the necessary funding to keep your schools rolling in your people literate you know like i'm going to continue to make it to where your vote doesn't count i'll even threaten you for doing it and if you do start to succeed i will destroy everything that you built yep so you know for all those people out there who don't understand the the plight and they go oh man that was so long ago my mother was born in 1960s okay my grandmother's from mississippi and she's still alive so is my grandfather and they have horror stories, right? Like that if, if they were told to a person, that person would shudder to believe mm-hmm. that these horror stories exist. Now, I'm not saying we can't overcome or or we can't push past it. But while we are at the point where we're talking about a specified issue, because I don't believe that this is the only issue that we need to handle. I think this is the this is a prominent issue because it's out of control. But once we get past this, I want to handle, I definitely want to see how the income disparity uh, laws and things like that start kicking in. Like how, how, like, are we going to start punishing these companies, especially these banks who keep minorities from uh, getting small business loans at the same rates for the same amount as their white counterparts? Are we going to start digging into stuff like that? Cause we definitely need to get those practices under wrap and get those things unwrapped because there's a lot more that plagues our people mm-hmm. than just you know that form of social justice and and i do think that the uh 
like you said, the Gen Zers. And I'm going on a little bit of a tangent here. I apologize. But the Gen Zers are definitely in a different place because not only is information at the forefront for them, they're going to also be some of the people who saw the change happen and switch from what they've read to now what they could, what they're able to live. Agreed. All right. So that's definitely a big, big, uh, it's a big turn. It's a very much. so. Yeah. Um, just to touch back on a few things you just said, um, a lot to do with our parents wanting us as black kids to do good in life, getting these whitewash names and, Oh, I just want you to be able to get a job type names. I remember applying for colleges and I was applying to everything. And when I told my mom, I wanted to go to the art Institute, that was a, no, why would you do that? You're not going to be doing anything with an art degree. Don't do that. Their Mm -hmm. suggestion was, any any college that would give me a scholarship or put me in a place to better myself in a professional field. I rebelled and I went Mm -hmm. to Prairie View A&M in Texas. It's an an HBCU. I was only there for a year before I transferred to FAMU, but my decision on going there was simply, I was raised around white people. I'm half German and I'm black and I'm German, but I'm black. Mm -hmm. So being raised in Germany and being raised around white people, I only got to see the black culture from afar or in the summertime when I was with my black family members. So I wanted to go to an HBCU to understand myself better and just to basically get an overall idea of like the black culture. Again, I wasn't raised within the black culture. I was sheltered. I was raised in Germany. Um, So I honestly want to thank myself for like thinking ahead and trying to be proactive about me in the society. My dad always used to say he just wants us to be respectable citizens of the world. Um, I feel like my duty was to better understand myself and my culture to be able to respect them and get ahead. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, it was kind of like, why are you going to HBCU? You could be going to this school or you can be going to that school. But again, I just wanted to get into my culture and understand it for everything it was. So shout out to PVAMU, shout out to FAMU, that did the job. Definitely. Hey, shout, shout out to H-Town. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And that's amazing. I, I think that I think that a lot is, um, there's a lot to be said about, uh, especially being a person of mixed race. Um, I, say th- I say this to people all the time. Actually, uh, for my Father's Day special, I have... Uh, a friend of mine by the name of Mike Edmonds, uh, who's uh, who's biracial, and he he really does explain, uh, you know, in depth how 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 to deal with being multiracial, especially being in a multiracial family, and also having a multiracial son of his own, right? And I think that that speaks volumes to people who want to learn or people who understand that I have more parts of me than just one side, yeah. right? 
So my father, my, you know, the, the man who raised me is a Mexican man. Um, and he was in the military for well over 25 years. And I have two sisters who are biracial, right? Black mother, Mexican father, right? Black siblings, all right? And they identify as themselves, but they understand. Those things that plague Blacks still plague me. Those things that plague Hispanics still yep. plague me. And it's only be- and when I say plague, I mean like the systematic ideals that existed before my time yeah. plague. Right. So I think that wanting to know who you are and, and where you come from is an amazing it's an amazing attribute to have. And I'm glad you have that. Because I remember, I remember when I met you in high school, um, I was rapping, right? So for anybody <laughs> out there that didn't know, I used to rap. I used to rap myself blind, right? And uh, it was like a little crowd, and you were like passing by. And I stopped. I was like, who's this little girl right here? And I was like, okay. And I kind of peeked over a little bit to see who it was. And I was like, okay, cool. And you were like right there. <laughs> like you were right there. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So, you know, all right. So she vibed with it. Cool. We spoke a few times, but it was like, all right, cool. So I'd see you around, but I never like, I thought you were a light-skinned black woman. Not a lot. <laughs> I wasn't aware that you were German until I heard you speak German. I think we were, uh, it was me, you, Fred, Sean, and I think it was Vernetta. We all went to, uh, we all left the school grounds one day because I guess because we, we were our seniors and we like just bounced. <laughs> And, like, I didn't know you spoke German. And you actually started speaking it. I was like, oh, snap. And that's when I kind of realized, oh, well, she's not just a light-skinned black girl. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, like the eyes. Yeah. Receiving, you know? So, but I, I do remember that. That's, that's one of the things that, one of the memories that stuck out. Because I would rap everywhere I went. <laughs> and that was just crazy. That was yeah. Crazy. Um, to touch on that. I've always had the, I'm too black for my white friends and I'm too white for my black friends. So I've always had different sets of friends. Um, Everybody understands me Mm -hmm. to be me. I've never shied away from being me. And so being that, I just want everybody to understand like there is no black and white, like people are who they are. And I I wanted all my friend groups to understand, you know, the way you talk to people and the way you treat people, it doesn't have to be literally black or white. It's treat people for who they are. Um, kind of yeah. like the post going around about like black nerds are still black people or like black skateboarders are still black people. Like it, it baffles me to see that this is still a thing just because black people like different things that aren't under the black culture they're looked at as less than um so I think me throughout life I've tried to let people know like you are who you are you like what you like don't let people stop you from doing that um I kind of feel bad because once I did move to America I stopped speaking German I stopped communicating with my German family in German because most of them speak English. Um, So for the most part, I've forgotten most of my German and I've literally started to talk to my mom more every day in German just to refresh my memory. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, again, I just, I want people to understand 
being biracial or having biracial friends, like you treat them for who they are. Right, right. And and I and I and I've always looked at it that way as well. Like I think culturally, this is something that we and, and now when I say we, I'm going to be very, very, very separate in ideas here, right? I think this is where we as African Americans need to culturally look deep into how we treat each other. Yeah. Right. Um, my minus them not understanding and the laws not being in our favor and all those things. This is where we got to take personal accountability and go, hey, you know what? I'm not going to treat the black skateboarder this way. The black violinist is still black. The black, you know, the like 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 the black kid who might listen to grunge rock and paint in his room and he might be emo. That kid is still exactly. a black man. It- and- they like, all so line up under the same category. We are all black and to people looking at us, we're all black. It doesn't matter what you like or what you want to do. We're black at the end of the day. Right, right. And, and that's and that's something that I, I was very um I was very I was very like confused for a large portion of my life uh when it came down to you know, identifying with what is cool and what is not, yeah. right? Because I always thought, like, being cool was acting a certain way, right? And then when you meet somebody from a different background or, or mind frame, like, you know, such as yourself, it, it's like, okay, cool. Just because she speaks proper English is another thing I think we, need to, we definitely <laughs> need, to, need to evaluate, right? Speaking with proper diction does not mean that you're trying to be white. It just means that you are willing to um, take time to express yourself properly according to the English language. And we need to stop taking time to go, oh, I can't believe she talks like she's white. No, or he talks like, or he dresses like, man, look, dressing has no color. And if you understand something about being African-American or another, this for anybody who's listening, if you're an African-American, you influence cool. I want you to go ahead and take a look at what we call the standard of beauty. The current standard of beauty is now shapely women, right? Full lips, darker skin. Our women have exude has exude, has have exuded those things and were naturally born with those things for years. And I think that we have gotten so far as a culture to where we should now be able to see this, right? Because if you rewind to the 1990s, who was talking about being a shapely woman in the 1990s? You know, where was the appreciation for that for that type yep. of beauty? We've gotten to a point we now. We're told back in the day that was we, ugly where... and you should bleach your hair and straighten your hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, right, right. Exactly. And it's like, yo, like, if you look at all the thirst <laughs> traps that's happened nowadays, do you think we're, do you think we're, you know, we're seeing people who are, you know, extra skinny and, and and with with fake you know fake appendages you're not gonna you know go too crazy on it but you know, yeah you know what I'm talking about yeah <laughs> you know like do we have those people being liked no no we're looking we're looking at you know women who are shapely right as being now the, the standard of beauty but prior to that because they couldn't steal it and they couldn't copy it it was demonized and I'm looking like that's mm-hmm. crazy. It's crazy how far that how far that's that's yeah. I definitely remember growing up 
my, I wouldn't even, I can't even say what they are. A lot of my friends' parents saying, oh, I don't want a big butt or like, I got to work out because I don't want to be fat. But then again, like you said today, big butts are the whole rage. You have white women going out and paying millions or not millions, but thousands of dollars to go get a big butt. But back in the day, it was like, a, oh, she's fat. She has a big butt. We don't want that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and now, you know, it's, you know, it's crazy. People yeah. are willing to die. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they're willing to they're willing to die for an image and I, I said this to one of my friends and, and because you are a friend of mine i'm going to say this to you too okay i said instagram is for the lady <laughs> friends, okay it's for, <laughs> all right it's for the lady friends and, it, and and it's not a bad thing this goes this goes along with what we were just talking about the fake booty implants shots the fake breasts the fake lips they've taken over instagram right They've gotten thousands of people, millions of people at times to follow them and like their posts. Mm-hmm. Right. And they don't, there's some of them who don't do anything but that. Yeah. Right. I don't know what to do with their regular lives. They're not like you and I. Like, there's, it's totally different when we look at Instagram and let's say you see a businessman in a suit. He might get a couple hundred, hundred you know, you know, thoughtful likes, et cetera, et cetera. He might get some women if he looks nice enough that'll comment under his picture, which is mm-hmm. fine, like what you like, right? But I did this. I said, hey, man, if I took, if you took a picture with your man, right, and why, and, and you look at how many likes you get versus how many you get if you're just taking a picture of yourself in the sundress, yep. right, you'll see where the mind frame of Instagram or just social media period is. This is why I say it's for the lady friends. I, I told my buddies, you can you can have your shirt off as a man, have abs, et cetera, et cetera. Nope. Nobody gonna care. No one's gonna care because anybody can get that. Any any black, white, Asian, you name them, they can get that body type that you have if they put in the proper work, proper diet, mm-hmm. et cetera. Right. But when you go out and you buy something, right, and you copy it to a science, right. And you take pictures of it, the angles, all of it, man. <laughs> you yeah. would be famous overnight. Like you can't duplicate. As a man, look, they, it's it's hoochie until they duplicate it, and then then all it's, of a sudden, trendy. it's trendy. Exactly. Um, what I found was really funny with this whole Instagram thing. This influx of online boutiques that are supplied by like aliexpress and wish like just cheap manufacturers uh i think meg the stallion Mm. said it best um what did she say something about all these um online boutiques only fit fake booties i definitely think their success is based off of these new age Instagram models with fake asses and fake boobs. That's, that's crazy Mm, to think that because like she said, their clothes only fit fake booties. Like for the real black women who have real black bodies, those online boutiques don't appeal to us. 
okay, maybe the t-shirts or maybe sunglasses are like jewelry, but dresses, pants, they don't fit us right. You know why? Because they don't they don't take into account that you gotta okay. jump up and down to <laughs> to make your pants fit. You know they don't they, they don't take the, the fact that you got to wiggle and shit. Man, look, listen, listen. <laughs> I see, like I see this every day. You know, I see this every day. I've seen this for the last, you know, you know, since Instagram has started. They created this stuff for, yep. like you said, the fake bodies. They don't take into account. They want the chicks who got the really skinny legs. And the really large derriere yep. that's fake. They want like, like the the uh, like the baby <laughs> in a diaper look, <laughs> like with the with the really tiny legs. Like 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 what like what are you doing? Like what are you doing? Like why are you creating clothes for those people, knowing good and well, it'll ruin. It's gonna ruin those people. Look, like, like down the line, serious health issue. You know, minus the comedy and, and the ha 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 we're having right now. That's going to ruin oh, yeah. that lady's life down the line because she hasn't she hasn't learned how to love herself, right? And self love is important, you know. Like like learning to love you before you love someone else is important. Now, granted, I do think we're in a different time where love isn't really in the <laughs> foremost. It's not in the front. It's 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 not like oh my god, I need to be in love. And I'm glad people are learning yes. to take care of themselves first because the last thing you want to do is get with somebody and you're not you know suitable but i think that we have so much growing to do individually nowadays that being married at 25 isn't happening anymore because you have to learn how to love yourself and instagram has something to do with that you know how do you how do you how do you feel about that um personally Personally, I have got a therapist. I've been going to therapist for maybe five, six months. Um, and the reason behind mm-hmm. that, I've never been in a healthy relationship and I didn't want to start dating again, knowing where I was with myself. I love myself, but being in a relationship with someone who doesn't fully understand or love themselves, you have to know how to be the healthy one and show them the healthy ways of being in a healthy relationship. I couldn't do that because I had never been in a healthy relationship. So I wanted to basically take more time to understand myself. Uh, As soon as I started telling people, hey, I'm going to therapy for X, Y, Z, it was, oh, you're crazy. You should have been going to therapy. Like this isn't the first time I've been to therapy and it's not the last time I'm going to go, I honestly feel that more black people need to invest in themselves and get a therapist, unpack all that baggage, like let go of some of the traumas so you can understand yourself better and be in more healthy relationships. Um, Again, I've never been in a healthy relationship. So I'm just praying that my next relationship is end all be all because I'm tired. Like, <laughs> I'm tired of raising boys and men and I'm just, I'm tired. I'm over it. Um, but again, I can't sit here and say, you know, oh, it's all them. They're the problem. No, sometimes I was a problem too. So like I said, I wanted to take that time to learn myself mm-hmm. so I could be a better person for someone else. Um, it's also one of those things as a black woman I don't necessarily date outside of my race. 
I've tried it and I, I just can't, <laughs> I can't. Right, right. Um, it's one of those things where you feel like you have to protect your significant other. My significant other would be a black man. Sometimes I would put him in harm's way by doing the things I would do, trying to get in, back in retaliation of why he made me feel X, Y, Z. Right. That is not okay. That's not a good thing to do. Um, I find myself now telling, I talk to a black guy now, I find myself telling him, have a good day, but be safe out there. For the fact that I'm having to say be safe out there scares me because sometimes it's like he might not come home. He might not call me and say, hey, how are you doing? I don't know what's going to happen. But all I can say is, hey, have a good day. Be safe out there. Right. Um, it's now the new norm, but it's not really a new norm. It's just a we're in a different time to where we can support each other better and understand each other better. So yeah, my take on all of this, please go to therapy, everybody, anybody okay. listening, spread the word. Therapy does not mean you're crazy. Therapy is literally just trying to unpack your bad baggage and learn yourself. Right. You know, and you're right. You, you <laughs> I cannot tell you. And I'm I'm not laughing for just absolutely nothing. I'm laughing because it, it really uh it really does take sitting down with someone and having those conversations to help people. You know, people deal with things different ways. And um I think that a lot of as African Americans, a lot of the mental health issues that we have stem from our our upbringing and how careful our parents had to be to teach us survival. Yeah. You know, so um, now, 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 as far as dating outside your race, I say this all the time. You love who you want to love for the reasons that you want to love. That's just your choice. I, exactly. You know, I don't... There's nothing wrong with interracial dating. I came from an interracial marriage. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. But people have their preferences. So. Right, right. And, and I tell people all the time, as long as your preferences. Now, this is just, this is just me. Now, I, I do have to be true to this statement because I've made it. A lot of times when, when dealing with my white friends, I was like, hey, look, you date black women? No, I'm just not interested in them. Why? Because they're black. You know, <laughs> you know, is it because they're black? And they're like, <laughs> they're like, well, I'm uncomfortable. But truth be told, you know, I say, I say this all the time. If your preference is based off of racial qualification, right, uh, then that is a bit racist. That, that that falls on the side of racism. However, yep. um, that's if it's kept you from experimenting in that manner. You love who you want to love. If you say, hey, you know, I don't find these features attractive in people. Let's say you don't like, you know, one of the takes that we get a lot of times black people. I don't like their lips. Okay, well, if you don't like black people's lips, then if you see a white woman with those same lips, the answer is no. Exactly. All right. So I want you to remember that if you don't like black people's nose, the next race of person you see with that nose, the answer is no, because you don't like the nose. Right. Because just like I said, I have friends who don't like bigger women. Okay. That is your choice as long as it doesn't, you know, verge onto, okay, it's a big, rich woman now. My mind changed. Now, don't get it wrong. That bag can change a lot of people's minds. Okay? Oh, yeah. It'll change your mind. Like, Robin Thicke will, be, will become Morris Chestnut to you if he had billions <laughs> of dollars. I'm just putting it out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I don't, I don't expect people 
to truly understand, you know, their value when it comes down to um, relationships until they learn to truly unpack, like you said, all those things that are uh, plaguing them as people and that, that, that plagues their mind or that keeps them from truly loving themselves or opening up to the right person. I totally agree with that. It's just unlearning. I do want to congratulate you on finding love though. That's that's big. That's a big deal. Or or finding somebody to spend time with. I was gonna say I wouldn't call it love, but (laughs) you better better stop. You might be listening. Right, right. We're not there yet, but (laughs) yeah, you better stop that. But I care about him. He's amazing. Okay. All right. Yeah. You always gotta talk like mom's listening. That's why I tell all my guests, look, you can say what you want to say. But my mom, my mom listens. Yes, <laughs> All right, my mom totally listens. agree. Because yeah, I'm right. always that person, like, sorry, mom. <laughs> right, right. It's because you're raised right, man. There's some people <laughs> who, who get these platforms, man, and it's just the first seven words and curse words. No, don't get it wrong. There's a place for it. You know, there's a place for all that. Like, like I, I tell some of my friends, I can't bring you on. Why not, brother? Every other word is is a curse word. You know, my mom. Yeah. Knows. And, you know, she picked up my grandma picked up my also you don't know how to act huh you know you've been raised differently ain't a boy I come okay like don't hurt me please <laughs> um funny please that you're saying me. this i had a broadcast journalism uh major when i was at uh prairie view and famu mm-hmm. i went and did my internship up here at 96.1 which was a white radio station and mm-hmm. i did my internship they wanted crazy amount of hours for a low pay. And I was like, you know what? That's cool. I'll thug it out. I'll work my way to the top. But one mm-hmm. of my mentors came to me and was like, you curse a lot. You don't watch what you say and you don't hold back on anything. And you're emotionally driven. And he was like, I don't think this is the right avenue for you. Simply based off if you're on air and something happens within one second, you saying something vulgar or cursing that's a five to ten thousand dollar fine and you get hit by whoever is above you whoever is above them and whoever is above them so sometimes it goes to twenty five fifty thousand dollars there have been people who've lost their jobs over just how they speak to people and so that's one of the biggest things i've had to learn i curse a lot when i'm around my friends I talk however I want to talk, but when I'm around other people, business, whatever, I put my white girl voice on and I keep it moving. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? To, to unpack that too, though, you know, I remember being the kid, listening to my mom on the phone and like she picked the phone up. Like she'd be talking, like, hey, you better stop. I'm a dot, dot, I just boom, running it down for us, right? Mm-hmm. That phone, that phone ring, hello. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, and I, and I, I never understood it, but like, I think psychologically as black people, man, we're taught because I, I actually have a podcast about I actually have an episode about this. We're taught to assimilate to to blend in and, and to be safe and to not be, you know, judged yep. by, by other people. So sometimes it bleeds over into life, like you said, the white girl voice or the white man voice. Yeah. I was watching um Sorry to Disturb. I think I forgot the name of the movie. Sorry to disturb you. I'm probably saying it wrong. But uh guy works in the call center and he uses his white voice. And like he like moves straight up to the top, and they love him, and he's getting money and all this other stuff. But that exists, people. That exists. We're not making this up. Oh no. You know? Like like now, I, look, I've heard your potty mouth in high school. This is high <laughs> school. 
I had a potty mouth in high school, so I, I, I'm pretty sure the older you got, it probably got a little worse. But, oh, yeah. Uh, I'm glad that on this platform today with me sharing this conversation, you've never one time uh, sounded like a person who's not raised or doesn't have, you know, a bit of education or understanding. And I appreciate that. I want to thank you for, for at least doing that. Growth, sir. It's growth. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like, but you know, that that's, that's growth though. That's your growth. You, you, you are, you've gotten to a point now where you are able to tell your story, tell people what you do, explain your experiences and have a kickback conversation with, with anybody about anything and people can identify. So there's, there's duality. There's a place for everything in, in, in the world. Like there's a place for you to curse and, yeah. and talk with your friends. And there's a place for us that, you know, really have a regular conversation outside of this. If I talk, if I'm talking to you, whether it's on the gram or somewhere, I'm joking. I'm sending funny stuff. It's whatever. Right. But as soon as this thing, as soon as this mic kicks on, I'm somebody different. Okay. Somebody different. I I'm like like one. I think my sister said this. My younger sister. She said, "You sound like a white guy on there." I said, "Yeah, yeah." I imagine. I imagine so. I imagine so. (laughs) Put my professional cap on. (laughs) Yeah. But when we start doing these visuals, (laughs) the cat's out the bag. Okay. (laughs) I've definitely done a ton of interviews, and. They asked me for a second interview. Second interview is always in office. I go in and they see I'm a black woman and they're like, okay, like definitely weren't expecting that. But hello, like it literally takes people by surprise. I didn't know you were sis. I thought you were Karen's little sister. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm not Karen's little sister. Okay. That's another thing. I do want to say this for all the people who are offended by Karen. I want you to look at all the years the black women were Shaniqua, Shanene, Hello, uh, uh, whatever other names you could put an equal on to it. <laughs> all, all of that. I want you to, you know, to look at all that, and I want you to now come to grips that it's your turn, okay? Because life's a wheel. You'll get a turn. Yeah. Might take you a thousand years. Might take you a hundred years. But might you'll take get you a, a day, turn. But you'll get a turn. And Karen, this is your turn. <laughs> all right. Welcome yeah. to the party, Karens. You know, so so for any for anybody out there who's experienced anything that me and Miss Nicole Harvin are talking about, please, please feel free to, you know, to comment, like, subscribe. I sound like I'm doing a YouTube. <laughs> you know, if you're on Apple, if you're on Apple, uh you have Apple uh podcast, tune in. You know, tune into a cool conversation, right? And Miss Nicole, where where do we find you at on social media? Because I know you're a busy woman. So where do we find you at? Um, you can find my company page at B Harvin Design, B H A R V I N D E S I G N. And my personal Instagram is N I C O B E E Z, Nico B's. Facts, facts. You know, I really, you know, I thought I, I had to remind myself your last name was Harvin. <laughs> I almost said, like, in my notes, I almost called you Nicole Beasley. Yeah. <laughs> I swear to God, like, well, maybe it's Beasley, but I was like, no, be Harvin Design. So the Harvin is definitely, you know, it's there, right? But, but definitely, I want to thank you very much for for spending time with us today. No, uh, thank you for having me on. Listen, listen, we got to have you on again. It has to happen. Yeah, this has been fun. All right, because I'm going to definitely have a more uh, 
once all this dies down, we're gonna have more of a, a less uh inform- I only want to say informational because that that'd be a, that'd be a lot. You're always gonna get something out of this. Uh but we're gonna have more of a just a, a regular conversation about different things that that you know, because now people are familiar with you. They know who you are, they know what you do, they know where to find you. So now we gotta introduce them to, you know. The, the other side of you, you know, the the, the potty mouth, so to speak. You know? <laughs> you know, the little girl who listens to Gucci Mane. By the way, people don't understand. She's a big time Gucci Mane fan. And we're not talking about like Gucci Mane right now with the abs. We're talking about my kitchen Gucci. Yeah, Mane. that the old Gucci. I'm an old Gucci. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, put the pounds in the trash can. Gucci do the dishes. <laughs> okay. I bet you know, I bet you she knows the rest of that song. <laughs> I bet you know. But no, Miss Nicole, thank you very much for spending time with us today. We really enjoyed having you. Yes, thank you. And just a reminder, Juneteenth, those are on the corner, which is June 19th. Go support Black businesses. Shop away. Hey, you know, that's nothing. Look, come Juneteenth, I'm, I, obviously my summer body isn't going to be ready. <laughs> okay. um, so I will have my shirt on. Speaking of shirts. Go to modestapparel.com, shameless plug, <laughs> and go out there and buy yourself a Don't Miss the Message shirt. Okay. Ivy knows this. By the way, have you seen those shirts? They're amazing. I they did. Started. They look really good. And I think people should go ahead and get them some. You know, I may, we'll work out something, Nicole, where we get you something for free. Thank you for being the guest. You know, kind of a package like that. Ah, that's and, nice. And, 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 and it, it'll contain. Um, you know, some Ivy knows best merch. So I just want to thank you. This this goes out to all my guests. If you ever a guest on my show, merch comes to you. Just thought you should know, right? Shout out to but, Ivy knows best. Hey, facts, man. Say it again loud for the people in the Shout back. Shout out to <laughs> Ivy knows best. <laughs> hey, this. Hey, tell. Hey, B Harvin Designs, man. Y'all, hey, listen. If anybody out here needs to create a website, which by the way, Nicole, I need to do that. So because of that. After this is over, offline, we'll talk. And all you people who are listening will have an opportunity to see the amazing work of uh, Ms. Harvin here. As she will probably be more likely, there's a 99.4% chance that she'll be creating my, you know, designing my website for me. Because it's something that has to be done. Come right? through, so, come through. Hey, you got, hey, look, we got to keep it in rotation. <laughs> got to keep it, in, you know, keep it in the family. All right, Nicole, take it easy now. Thank you, you too. Have a good Friday. All right.